Hello and welcome to Close Calls on the 42.e brought to you in association with Air Sport. You know the drill at this stage. Every week we come at you to preview the hottest sporting event of the weekend. We dial up the best pundits in the game to get their take. We are coming at you on a Thursday unconventionally because Christmas. Because Christmas. That's why we're here on a Thursday as opposed to a Friday. We'll be back on Fridays in the new year. I'm Gavin Casey, joined by Ryan Bailey of the 42. Ryan, how are things? Good, Gav. Good. How are you? I'm not too bad, good. thank you very much. We could have gone at rugby again this weekend, Ryan. Yeah, we could have. It's not even the weekend, of course. It's a Thursday. Yeah, rugby fest over the last few weeks. But I think r- football is a good, good choice this week. Bit of yeah. A classico. Well, it's the biggest game in world football, and we are delighted to be joined on the line by ESPN's Dermot Cargan, the man on the ground in Madrid. Dermot, how are things? Hi, lads. Good to talk to you. Absolutely. Yeah, nice to have you, Dermot. Uh, I suppose one of the things that I'm most curious about going into this one is, uh, I, I was wondering, is there kind of a, an added significance to this uh, El Clasico, given what's gone on in Catalonia, given that this is a rivalry based on, I suppose, identities and, and uh, I guess, like... Uh, identities on, on polar opposite ends of a scale in a way in Spain yeah. uh, like what's it like in Madrid can we expect this to be a more kind of hostile burnabout than than ever before in terms of welcoming Barcelona there yeah it has been a very strange couple of months here in in Madrid and across in Barcelona as well when you know the Catalan independence issue has been it's been around for a while now for a couple of years and at Clasicos especially at the camp now there's been a lot of, of protests and you see the, fl- the flags and uh, even some of the players getting involved, like Jared Piquet or, or Javi Hernandez, back in the past, making their their comments about it. It's all ramped up a lot um, over the last couple of months. Like the the scenes that we saw, you know, back in the autumn when they had the the kind of illegal vote or whatever you want to call it, um, was not very nice. And that that has has ramped things up. There was issues around a couple of games when Real Madrid went to Girona. A Barca game was called off the day of the election. I was at the the Wanda Metropolitano for Atletico's game against Barca around that time as well. And there was a lot more Spanish flags than usual around it. There wasn't any sense of like violence or, or real nastiness around it at all, but there was a lot of the, the Spanish people or the people in Madrid who, a lot of people who, you know, previously you wouldn't have really talked to them about it, but have come out maybe as, as you know, conservatives or people who are Spanish nationalists, and they were making their, their voices seen and, and heard. Um, expected again at the Bernabeu on the weekend, there'll probably be a lot of Spanish flags, especially with the, um, the election in Catalonia this week, the regional elections. It's all over the news. <coughs> Excuse me. It's not quite as, um, it's not been, not quite as built up maybe as it, as it was back in September when that was happening. It's died down a little bit and there's maybe a little bit less tension around, but I'd imagine around the game that certain elements in the media will We'll build it up. Politicians will, will come in and talk about it. The, the players will all be talked about. The coaches will be talked about. It will be asked about it for sure at the pre-match press conferences. And yeah, I'd imagine that there'll be there'll be yeah, PK especially. Will get, will get <laughs> I was going to ask him about PK. Yeah. Uh, he's going to get us. He's typically uh, friendly. Welcome to uh, the Bernabeu. <laughs> uh, was, yeah, for sure. Was, he acts as a bit of a magnet for it, I think, and, and he will again. Absolutely. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm sure there'll be uh, a couple of corners where he and his old pal Sergio Ramos will be throwing a couple of elbows and whatnot. I suppose on the pitch, whatever about the uh, political climate in Catalonia, Barcelona are, are doing well. We'll touch on them in a moment. Real Madrid, I suppose, given the success over the la- their last couple of years, uh, probably failing to live up to their own standards so far this season. Like even If you go back to August, they gave Barca a walloping in the Super Cup. I think it was 5-1 in aggregate. And since then, dropped a lot of points, particularly at home. And it's games where they've had a lot of possession and chances, chances but can't really convert them. Like There's kind of talk, uh, over here at least, of like almost a semi-crisis there. And it's like, oh, well, what's going wrong? Does most of it stem from just a couple of games where 
almost like some of those Manchester United home games last year where you've like 36 shots and just can't score a goal. Like, does it sort of, is it like a snowball effect from them or are there actual systemic problems with Real Madrid at the moment? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things there. The the 5-1 was almost the worst thing that could happen to Madrid because they came back from the summer really really chuffed with themselves. They'd, they'd sold um, a couple of players, Morada and James Rodriguez and Pepe were, were moved on and they brought in these kids and who are very good youngsters um, who have a, a lot of kind of promise but have yet to, to do it really. And then they won the Clásico very easily over Barca who were in crisis with Neymar going and everything and people at Madrid were like, right, we're sorted now, we don't have to to do anything else but the squad is is a little bit weaker than last season one of the the great things for Madrid last year was how often late in games even at the Bernabeu they'd be one all against uh, Betis or, or Deportivo La Coruña or whoever it'd be and Morad would come in and score a late header or Hamas would come off the bench and, and set something up or score himself and that it's a feature of Madrid that they don't know this Madrid team especially they don't always play play great but they get they get results and they were able to pick up points last season when they weren't and they weren't flying. Then later in the season, they did click into gear and played really well as they, they went on and won the double. This year, when they're not playing well, as you say, they can create a lot of chances, but they can get um, frustrated very easily. And the, the mood at the Bernabeu, it's pretty funny how quickly things can turn there, even when the team is you know world champions and have, have won everything. A couple of weeks later, Ronaldo will get booed or, or maybe even Zidane's substitutions might get questioned by the the local pundits. So the team's not as strong as it was last year. First 11 is still pretty good and on a big game, on a big occasion, they can show up against anybody, I think, when the pressure is on, which they might do at the weekend. But there is definitely, you know, a couple of weaknesses in the squad and it wouldn't be a surprise if they sign people in January, especially if they lose on Saturday. Absolutely, yeah. And I think we'll probably learn a lot from whether Zidane goes to his bench or not, given that there are going to be a lot of young players on it. Uh, mentioning Zidane there, like, it seems, inc- I suppose, incomprehensible that he would be under pressure given what he's achieved over the last couple of years. But this is Real Madrid we're talking about at the same time. If things don't go well at the weekend, you can pretty much write off the league as far as they're concerned. Does he be like? Does he come under intense scrutiny at that point? Or given he's a club legend and his two Champions Leagues, is there a little bit of leeway there for the rest of the year when there's still cup competitions to play for? Yeah, he gets more leeway than, than Rafa Benitez would have for sure previous to him. But it, as you say, it is Madrid and these things can happen. Especially they don't like embarrassments that you can you can lose to Hitafe or, or somebody away and it, it's not a big deal. Lose at Girona as they did it a few weeks ago. Um, but if you do get beaten at home by Barcelona or if you get beaten by Atletico Madrid, that's the kind of thing that, that holds in the, the coat or holds in the fans' minds and especially with, with Florentino Perez. He's such a a proud guy and such a, a big matter it is to that that things like that don't tend to be don't tend to be forgiven too quickly like Zidane does have a lot of credit in the book because of the main like two champions leagues is is pretty phenomenal but the, there's a thing with Zidane that he's not he's not a big tactics guy he's not somebody who who puts in place a, a huge plan that the, the players have to follow he leaves a lot of it to the players to work out themselves so when you have guys like Modric on, on the pitch and Cruz who can organize the team and and get them playing well and then somebody like Cristiano when he's on form Cristiano Ronaldo up front to to score the goals, things kind of they kind of click themselves. It's almost like you don't want to interfere too much. When things start to go badly, when there's injuries, when the squad's not as strong as it used to be, that's when when you see maybe the the limitations to to Zidane, who's done a great job, but you know he hasn't he's never really coached anywhere else. We don't know what he'd be like in charge of another team. I, I'd imagine he'll be fine, even if they do go out of La Liga. Um, you basically go out of La Liga by by losing on, on Friday. That'll be it. And then there's Paris Saint-Germain coming up in the Champions League, whether to lose there as well. The rest of the season will be a bit of a write-off. Maybe more likely that some of the senior players would start to, to be criticised. You know, maybe Ronaldo, Bale, somebody might 
come down a, as a scapegoat at that case ahead of Zidane maybe. But at Madrid, you can never, you know, trying to predict what's going to happen three months in advance is, is pretty difficult. Absolutely, yeah. I suppose, like, as you mentioned, not necessarily the biggest guy for tactics at Dan, but he has managed to, well, he has managed to manage a lot of big mm-hmm. personalities in that dressing room, perhaps better so than a lot of his predecessors. And maybe it stems from the fact that he himself played in a dressing room, a similar dressing room filled with stars. One of them, I think it, it's inevitable, really, that Ronaldo's future is going to be discussed like pretty much intermittently throughout the season. He kind of used his yeah. winner in the club, uh, the World Club Cup final to shed light or shed doubt on his own future. Um, it, he seems to be in a bit of a catch-22, Ronaldo, given like he signed a new deal only 12 months ago. He's 33 years old, and really there aren't too many realistic... Uh, suitors given his age and given the money he's already earning so to be asking for an increase which is what what I presume he's doing I mean Real Madrid are in a fairly strong position there but you get the impression that even if that might be the case that might finally be the tipping point for Ronaldo you know six months down the line yeah, for sure. It was it was pretty clear what Ronaldo was at when he was speaking in the, the mix zone in Abu Dhabi at, at the weekend. You'd think we're world champions where after winning everything in 2017, he's just won the Ballon d'Or, he won the FIFA award as well, that that he'd be happy with his luck. But I think the fact that Ness, that uh, Neymar got the big move to Paris Saint-Germain during the summer and then that, that Lionel Messi's just signed a new contract at Barcelona and both of them earn more money than Ronaldo just doesn't sit right with him. You know, He's thinking to himself... I've won all this this year. Madrid have won the Champions League. We won the Liga. Um, I've got everything. Um, I've done everything that I could. Why, why are these guys earning more than me now? And then from the club's point of view, as you say there, you can see why should we give this guy more money? Because he's, you know, he's, he did phenomenally well last season. But at some stage, time is going to catch up on him. He already has a contract for another three years. It's a difficult one. Um, you can see both sides of it. And as you say, there's no real exit for him. Like a couple of years ago, you might have thought, OK, he'll go to Paris Saint-Germain. But Neymar is there now. Go back to Man United. That seems to have that ship seems to have passed as well. So it's tricky. And Ronaldo's never. He's a much better record at, at the camp now in Clasicos than he does at the Bernabeu. He's only scored three La Liga goals at the Bernabeu all through his career. They've all been been penalties. And it's a weird one that, you know, as I said before, he gets he gets hassle from his own fans even after everything he's done for the club, more than three hundred goals, all the trophies that that he's won. They're still feeling that he doesn't really. He's never really been taken to their hearts the way even somebody like Ramos has or, or Luka Modric or. Uh, some of the the younger players, even Asensio, is more popular than Ronaldo. Like, seems weird, but it's it's the way it is amongst the Madrid fans. So that's the type of thing that can can boil up. Ronaldo scores a couple of goals at the weekend, uh, and Madrid win. They're back in the title race. You know, he, he, it's a pretty strong bargaining chip for him. If they lose, he doesn't score again. Then you know, people go, "Well, you're not getting a new contract, more or less." Sure. Like German, another player that you know, futures always talked about is Gareth Bale, and you kind of touched on it there. He obviously came back from long-term injury in Abu Dhabi. He was quite impressive last week. He kind of came mm. on, a few cameos, good performances. Like Again, where does he kind of sit with the Real Madrid fans? Because he's had kind of a love-hate relationship with them. you know. And, and again, you can't really call into question what he's done for the club since he's arrived. So can you kind of talk us through maybe his impacts potentially on Saturday and, and how he's going to fit in? Very interesting one. And maybe the most the most interesting thing that came out of the Club World Cup was just how good Bale looked when he came on. Like they were really in trouble against Al Jazeera, which would have been, you know, embarrassment of the century if they had gone out in the semi-finals to the the local team from Dubai. Bale came on, scored with his first touch, and put them into the final. So that that kind of changed the the season or the the idea from him. From you know, he's a guy who's had so many injuries that he, he's basically they'd moved on from him and started thinking about young guys like Asensio. Then he comes on a, a, and does that. And now there's a lot of talk that he could start at the weekend because he's 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 raring to go basically after being away 
for three months. Still kind of difficult to see how he fits into the team because they have evolved since he's been out with Isco coming in and doing pretty well as a kind of an extra midfielder, an extra playmaker, which is always useful against Barca because, you know, the way Barca play as well, having an extra man in midfield is handy. But Bale offers something that, you know, we were talking before about how they, they kind of get they get clammed up, that they, they have a lot of the ball and make a lot of, make a lot of chances, but they're not great chances and they find it hard to, to break through teams. Bale has that power and that pace. Um, it's a big decision for Zidane to make whether he starts him. He could drop Benzema, he could drop Isco, you know, two players who haven't been at their best maybe recently to bring Bale in. But then Bale, you know, he's in the Classicos, he's just got one goal. That was a that was a winner in the cup final, but that was back in 2014 and he's been injured a lot since. So, you know, you kind of feel a bit for Bale because almost when he when he gets on a roll and starts to do something, then he gets injured again and, and it all comes up about how he doesn't speak Spanish or he hasn't settled in. He'd prefer to be playing golf and go back to England and all or, or back to, to Britain. I've a sneaking feeling that he might come on and do something at, at the in the Classico at the weekend and it, the timing just seems right for him because he's he's fit now and he's ready to do it. But again, will he start the game? We don't know. And if he doesn't if things don't go well for him, he'll be the, the scapegoat again. So it's a it's a tricky one for Bale for sure, and one of the more interesting things to watch out for. Yeah, I think it's been, uh, I think it was April the last time that Ronaldo, Bale, and Benzema all started together. In yeah. that scenario, to be Isco dropped. Like Zidane seems very reticent to drop Benzema, given, even in light of his, his poor form that you mentioned there. Is it purely on the basis that you'd almost have to change system to accommodate uh, Bale, Isco, and Ronaldo together? I mean, you don't have an out and out striker there, and obviously. They don't really have too many options having Sol Morata um, to replace Benzema with an out-and-out striker. Yeah, Benzema, like the conspiracy theorists have done that uh, Zidane is, is there to protect his, his fellow Frenchman, that Benzema gets gets a, a bit of an easy ride from from Zidane and also from Florentino Perez because he's a kind of favourite son of the, the president. And his goal scoring record so far this year has, hasn't been great. You know, he does bring a lot more. He's, he's kind of a, the ideal foil for, for Ronaldo, the way he drops deep, the way he can link the play, you know, exchange passes, say, with, with Isco or with Modric, and then Ronaldo runs in behind or Bale runs in behind. It has worked pretty well for, for them in the past. But he, he's out of form and something, you, you kind of think they have to change something because of the way things have been going so far this season. Benzema, he's going to get, if he misses a chance at, on Saturday at the Bernabeu, he's going to get whistled. He's going to get booed by the, the fans. They're, they're not very happy with him at the moment. Does Zidane have... Have will he really drop a guy who he has such a close personal relationship? How would Benzema take that then if he was dropped? Are all questions that that we don't really know, but it, it's definitely one of the talking points here in Madrid ahead of the game. Uh, on the Barcelona side of things, then Dermot, I, I, like we mentioned there, the the five Super Cup feat. Uh, they just brought in Usman Dembele at that point, and it was like, all right, they're going to have to kind of. It was like we're going to have to make do and almost start again with this player who's an excellent mm-hmm. talent in his own probably a couple of years behind Neymar and what he'd done at Barcelona at that time uh, Dembele gets injured like they obviously they got hammered in the Super Cup and you're kind of thinking alright this may be actually the end not just the aim and Dunphy declared end but the actual end of this team and then they under Valverde they've probably proved everybody wrong and coped quite capably over the course of a season I mean it, both clubs seasons have sort of diverged off in completely different uh, trajectories how, how have they sort of held things together given the loss of Neymar and obviously the loss of Dembele there who was meant to be his replacement yeah you got to give a lot of credit to Ernesto Valverde the coach who came in during the summer who's a very high profile guy or excuse me a very low profile guy you know he'd done decent jobs or good jobs around the Liga with Valencia and Athletic Bilbao and he's at Espanyol before but you know it was a big ask for him to step up into a 
what's such a pressure cooker situation at the camp now and then to lose Neymar on top of it you know just a couple of weeks before the season and with you know not much help from the the board behind him you know Barca's board are, are stumbling around from from crisis to crisis all the time so he was in a very difficult situation and he's done really really well he's not done anything particularly fancy I think he's he's given even more so the reins of the team to Messi like everything goes through Messi which you know if you have Messi and you can get into the debate around Messi and Ronaldo you know, all night if you want. But with Messi in the team, he's capable of doing so much. You know, he can organise it from midfield and he can score the goal, score the goals at the same time. And that that's pretty much what Valverde has done. He set up the team with, with Suarez up front with an, an extra midfielder. When when Dembele got injured, he, he thought about for a while, you know, De Lofeo or, or trying to play somebody out wide and pretty quickly stuck Paulinho in, who's been a, you know, a big success, really, a surprise success for them in midfield. But it all goes through Messi. It's when Messi is... His clicks and when Messi's on form, the team can can blow people away. The couple of games that he's not been at his best or when he's been been rested or whatever, you've seen the team um, struggle. You know, even at games like up in Athletic Bilbao, they were lucky enough to, to get the three points. They weren't playing the the beautiful possession football, the the kind of tiki taka stuff that you know from Xavi Iniesta those type of days. Iniesta's getting on a bit. He's thirty three. He's not the the player that he was. He was very good at the weekend, but you know they don't have the the ability to play the way they used to do. So. It, Valverde has got them very well organised, not just not conceding goals, took an extra guy in midfield and then left it to Messi really to to, to do the rest and it looks like a, an excellent coaching decision because it, it's worked well for them so far. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, obviously there's been talk of, well, plenty of talk of Philippe Coutinho. It's still something that Coutinho has asked after Liverpool games. Uh, some talk as well now about Antoine Griezmann and Atletico Madrid are apparently not best pleased with Barcelona's oh. supposed <laughs> pursuit of, of Antoine Griezmann. So obviously, I mean... Barcelona seem cognizant of the fact that they still need to strengthen their squad and like is there a chance that maybe their start of the season as impressive as it has been that maybe a couple of cracks are being papered over there that may be exposed either at the Bernabeu or in the latter stages of the Champions League yeah definitely I, I think that's that's something that we still have to see because the they're so reliant on Messi for one and you know other teams have managed to to um to deal with Messi in the past, you know, Juventus did a really good job on him last season in the the Champions League, and, and you know, Chelsea. I wouldn't rule out them being able to do a similar job. Conte is so so clever, and Chelsea are so experienced, especially around the at, at shutting down games like that. They need to have a couple of other options for sure. Uh, Suarez is getting on as well. He's had injury issues. He's you know scored a good few goals recently, but he's not the the player that he was. So you can understand why if they have the a lot of the Neymar money still knocking around that they they want to try and spend it in the summer. It's hard to know whether how Coutinho exactly would, would fit into the team. It would presumably um, mean moving back a little bit more towards the the possession based approach, try, trying to play him as as a kind of Iniesta in midfield. And you'd have to you'd have to to see how that goes. I don't think that's a guaranteed success because Coutinho, for all the talents that he has, and he's been very good for Liverpool. He hasn't really, you know, he hasn't he's not been playing as a as a midfield playmaker. He's not been coming back and getting the ball in his own half too too often from from what I've seen. Griezmann as well. I think they're going to have a lot of trouble trying to get him out of Atletico. Another kind of misstep by Barca's board, being so open about it at, at the weekend, opening themselves up to to potential trouble. And again, you know where Griezmann would fit. It would mean again trying to reshape the team mid-season. Then you have Dembele coming back as well. So whether the team are are as complete to go on and win the Champions League or not, we don't know. If they get a good result of the weekend, they'll probably win the Liga. But I'd say there's there's plenty of challenges for Valverde coming down the road as to how he 
whether he gets new players or not in January, how he evolves the team over the next six months, 12 months, 18 months. Jeremy, you talk obviously about an, an evolution there. I suppose you could talk about it on both sides. Real Madrid, you know, moving away kind of from the Galacticos and bringing in a couple of younger players. Barcelona maybe not playing that tiki-taka style that we've, they're renowned for over the last couple of years. Does this fixture, I suppose for people who are kind of general football fans tuning in on Saturday, does this fixture kind of still carry the same weight and significance and appeal as it had maybe a couple of years ago? Um, and given also the fact that there's now such a gulf between the sides in terms of points and the tables? Maybe not. Maybe. I, I think that when La Liga set it up for the, the 23rd of December, they were hoping that the two teams would be closer together at the top of the table. They're hoping for more of a more of a battle. You, you can see, especially as well with the performances of the Spanish teams in, in Europe so far this season, you know, Barca topped their group, but they haven't been flying. Madrid beaten by Spurs, Chelsea beaten Atletico Madrid. There's been even a lot of talk over here in Spain about the possibly the Premier League taking over a little bit or this being a maybe a, a tilting away from, from Spain's dominance. They haven't been able to sign the, the best players. You know, in the last couple of years the the biggest players have gone elsewhere. You know, Neymar is the obvious one even for PSG, but Paul Pogba, you know, Madrid and Barça were both linked with him. Then maybe United just had more money and were able to, to sign him. And it's been a while since Madrid or or Barca have unveiled uh, a big transfer coup, the likes of Suarez or, or Gareth Bale when they came, that they were that got the player that everybody wanted and, and they had to come to Spain. So maybe it has dipped off a little bit. You know, I've said that Madrid have won the last two Champions Leagues, Barca won the one before it, so the, <laughs> there's a long way to go yet, I think, before whether it's it's Man City or, or Chelsea or Man United or whoever take over as the dominant team in Europe. But there's a, there's a couple of cracks there for sure, and if if there's a if the Clasico is maybe dull if it's a, a one all that nobody's really happy with that at the end of it. Well, Barca will be happy, but without the a big excitement factor, then you know it wouldn't have been what La Liga Chiefs and the marketing people would have hoped for for the game for sure. Where do you see the game being won and lost this Saturday, Dermot? Like I'm just just looking at uh, Barcelona's lineups from some of their bigger games this year. They've uh, played this Portuguese lad Nelson Semedo at right back, and they've moved Sergei Roberto further up the pitch. Not quite as an out net winger, but kind of like a fourth midfielder. And you kind of think, looking at the Barcelona, te- Barcelona team overall, there may be a little bit of a lack of pace there. And I've, I've, particularly this Saturday, because Samuel Mtidi is out for two months yeah. or maybe a month left with that. So it's going to be, what, like Thomas Vermalen at the back with Gerard Piquet? Like, yeah. they can surely be gotten at. Yeah, I, I think so. And I, I think both teams are going to play pretty cautiously from the start. I think Sergio Roberto might play at right back and they might bring in Paulinho into midfield to have a, a little bit of... Of extra muscle in there with uh, with Rakitic and Busquets and Iniesta as well in, and then th- basically that that be their their four man midfield and, and then to try and protect Vermeulen at the back like Madrid have given up a good few chances as well I, I think neither team are gonna it's very hard to predict what's going to happen in Clasico but the, it, it looks most likely that it could be very tight at, at the start that the both teams will look not to make mistakes because Madrid know if they you know if they lose the game they're they're pretty much out of the title race. Barca will be happy with a draw. It'll do that. It'll do them so they could sit tight. Look to hopefully Messi might make something happen for them. So it could be cagey enough. Then it might break open if somebody does score. If for example Madrid can get at, at Vermeil and 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 score from there, or, or if Bar- Messi does a bit of magic and then Madrid have to come out and and attack them, then there'll be there'll be gaps at the back and both teams might end up going for it because there's been a lot of goals in. In Clasicos, they tend to to be. I can't remember when the last nil all was, but it, it's a long time ago. Um, like a long, a long time before my time yeah. <laughs> uh, in in Spain for for sure. So chances are it'll, it'll break up. That might suit Bale. I know. It, it, going back to to just what might happen uh, and maybe potential storylines out of it. There, if things do go a bit crazy in the second half and if both teams are, are going for it, that'd be ideal to to send Bale into that 
situation and for him to, 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 to make a hero for himself. They, Madrid do have more options off the bench. You look at, at Barca's bench and Alcacer got injured at the weekend, so he's out and there's not too many people to, to come in. Whereas Madrid, they have Asensio as well, you know, youngster who scored a great goal in the, the Supercopa and is just a, you know, he's going to be a big star. It's hard for him to get to get into the team in the big games, but he comes off the bench and, and often does a lot. So maybe Madrid might win it in the second half if it does tend to go crazy. But, you know, trying to predict it, as I say, is, is difficult. Okay, fair enough. Well, Dermot, thanks so much for joining us. Much appreciated. Hope you enjoy the game and have a good Christmas. Cool. Cheers, lads. Enjoy it. Right. Nice one. Thank God. I'm looking forward to that now, I have yeah, to say. Absolutely. To you at home as well. Thanks a million for watching. Thanks to Air Sport. Hope you all have a wonderful Christmas and we will be back in the new year. Happy New Year as well. But until then, have a good one and take care.